Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Okay. Well, it's a great privilege today to be joining online all of our locations in the city, Nelson City, in Wellington, in Christchurch. I know Christchurch is going to be pretty pumped today. They're in Pioneer Stadium uh, meeting today. And it's a great honour and privilege to be all together at, with, at once here uh, with our great guests, amazing friends, Dave and Jenny Gilpin. For those of you who have heard Dave and Jenny, Jenny's ministering in Auckland this morning, but is flying down to be with us for a special night of ministry. She's got an incredible prophetic gift on her life. Uh, if you are just wanting more of God, a, a breakthrough maybe, a word from God, I want to encourage you to be here tonight as well. But I've got to say, um, what a treat it is to have Dave Gilpin here. Uh, I honestly feel like not only is he a wonderful friend of our church, but he's one of the great communicators in all of the world. The way he speaks, the way he thinks, just how he lives, his generosity. I first heard Dave on a YouTube. He was speaking about leadership. He was speaking about Christian leadership. And I messaged him on Instagram. And he messaged back with capital letters, Graham, with exclamation marks. And who knew? He didn't know that I would um, become his friend. He probably didn't even want that. But I've got to tell you, it's one of the great friendships in my life. He is an amazing guy. Travels the world speaking. He uh, extensively in churches, dealing with people and thinking and thought. So today, I want you to get ready. I want you to open your heart mostly to God. God is going to speak to people here today and give you a word for your next breakthrough. Not only that, though, I want you to open your mind to what Dave has to share. And let's give him a huge welcome wherever we are to Dave Gilpin. Come on, as he shares the word of God. Oh, gee, I wasn't expecting to come on so early. How are you? This church is a very good-looking church. I've been in a number of churches that aren't so good-looking over the last uh, couple of months or so, so I'm quite, I feel quite refreshed being here. Uh, hello, everyone, online. Um, I, firstly, let me say about, uh, about um, Graham that, uh, you know, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says that there's one who sticks closer than a brother. And uh, we always stick Jesus as that person. But for me, that person's Graham. And uh, where is he? Where is he? And, and uh, I just, Graham, I want to thank you so much. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of fair weather friends out there, isn't there? People who stick by you while you're rich and, and uh, fabulous. But the moment you lose your riches, uh, often you lose your friends. You don't actually know who your friends really are unless you're going between a rock and a hard place. And I say, Graham, you've stuck with me through great times and through a difficult times. And I just think your friendship to me uh, means the world to me. So thank you so much for being a fabulous person. Let's give Graham a round of applause. <laughs> and uh, thanks to uh, Branton and, and for Viv for having me this morning and, um, and for Beck as well. Uh, it's great. Oh, Jared, let me just say that um, since last time I was here, uh, let me say this, right, that the Bible says about all of our lives, right, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. And God's prepared an incredible future for you. And us with Elisha, Elisha, Elisha. 
gee, can't women's names just be simpler, you know? <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, you know, let's just, so, um, but you know, God does, God does, he over prepares us for the present. And I just want to say that you're, you're over prepared for the present. And sometimes when you're overprepared, you think, well, what, what was that about, right? No, 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 no. It's because no eye has seen, no ear has heard the plans that God has for you. And, and, you know, often we're all like this. We're all like an iceberg. Most of what God's doing is under the surface, just a bit poking up above the surface. But, but all the stuff under the surface is, is, is being prepared to become above surface. And I just, I just see greatness in you and your ability to not just give to God, but to receive from God, to breathe in and out is, is something that takes a lot of revelation to do that. And I saw that on you this one. Got a gift for you. I've got, I've got a choice of three DVDs, right? One's the notebook. No, this is, this is, who enjoyed the notebook with Ryan Gosling? That's a, and Erin Brockovich, DVD. That, that was good, wasn't it? Sandra Bullock, she's good. And lastly, uh, City Evangelist, Nicolas Cage. This was good, wasn't it? This is good. So, so you got a choice between the notebook, because I've got to give one to, to, uh, to Dave King in uh, Central, and I've got to give one to, to Alex Hanna. So, so you pick one that, which one? City Evangelist. Okay, you take that. Okay, fabulous. That's great. No, that's good. I just wanted to give you first choice because you're the man of the moment. And I've got for the guys over in uh, Lower Hutt, I've got the Westlife CD. <sighs> no, that's good. No, I've gone the extra mile here this morning. <laughs> Who likes Westlife? Oh, I thought it'd be the right age, you know. Right age group. Uh, so, uh, how many have done embarrassing things in their past uh, that they wish they'd never done? Oh, all of us. <laughs> I had this idea a number of years ago to do what I call the Great British Generosity Experiment. We were in the UK for 30 years, and, uh, and I thought, gosh, I'm going to find out how generous the Great British public actually are. And, uh, and so, I went completely non-politically correct. I thought, what I'm going to do is dress up as a beggar. I'm going to find out how much beggars make on the streets of London. And I got a, a, a little film crew together, you know, guys from church and uh, little handy cams and that. So we went down to London and, uh, and then I, I dressed up as a beggar, had my sign saying, need some more money and need some money and uh, went to Covent Gardens, right? And I was sitting there begging, right, in Covent Gardens. And after about 43 minutes, uh, these two black uh, pairs of shoes came up to me and they said, you've got the right to remain silent. But anything you do say may be used against you in court. And they were arresting me. And I didn't know about it, right? But apparently it's illegal to beg in London. And, uh, but there's thousands of beggars. And uh, I think there's a guy in a YT scheme, a youth training scheme. You know, the older policeman was, and so they picked on me to use me as an example of how to arrest somebody. And they put me in the back of a paddy wagon. And, and I was in jail for about five hours or so. And uh, it was, it was a, I, gosh, it was the most embarrassing experience. It really was. I, 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 I could barely phone up my wife to tell her where I was, you know. And uh, they let me out, but I was, still, I was still buzzing with this idea of this experiment. So then I bought a Hawaiian shirt and I dressed up as a super cheeky charity worker and I had a shaker thing and I was raising money for a hospice in the south of England and uh, trying to find out just how, you know, whether people respond to the, you know, to, to, to the colour of my shirt and how I'm doing it. And then I, then I did the final, uh, the final thing. I went to Savoy Tailoring uh, in central London and I said, can I borrow a suit for a week or so? And they said yes. 
And uh, so I kind of like, you know, had this boss suit on, went outside the Bank of England. And I just had a goal. I said, I want to raise a, a, million, a million pounds uh, for charity. So I said, would it be all right if you gave, didn't give less than a fiver? So anyway, right, the results came in. If I did, if I did each one for a year, right, taking time out for wet weather, uh, sick days, et cetera, et cetera, if I, if I did the begging for a year, I'd be, I'd be on approximately $25,000 a year. If I did the, the super cheeky charity worker, I'd be on around $60,000 a year. Looking like a squish millionaire type person, if I did that for an entire year, even time out for holidays and sick days and wet weather, I'd be on approximately New Zealand currency $280,000. That's $280,000 a year. So I'm going back there and uh, <laughs> I've chosen my career. And, and, but it's the same people walking past. It's the same London. It's the same dreary weather. It's the same drizzly weather. It's exactly the same people who are walking past in Covent Gardens or outside the Bank of England. The difference was my attitude. And it seems to me that it's a universal law that attitude determines altitude. And I think sometimes we forget about that, that, that somehow we think, why, why is the world not responding the way it ought to respond? Well, it might be something to do with you. It might be that within you is a beggar instead of a super cheeky charity worker. Or there's a charity worker, but there's not somebody who's believing for big things. It just seems like that the world out there is ready to respond to the world in you. In uh, 1954, there was a guy called Roger Bannister, and he was the first—he was the first guy in human history to run a mile under four minutes. He wasn't actually the first guy in human history. It's just some guy getting chased by a tiger in the back of India, right? It's just—it's unrecorded, right? But it's the first guy in recorded history to 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 run a mile in under four minutes. No one had ever done it before. But within six years, 200 people had done it. Up to 2022, 1,500 people had done it. What is that? It's called a mental barrier. And you know, I think the world is waiting for mental barriers to be broken in each one of you this morning. Generations are waiting for it. There's 200 people waiting to break through a barrier because they think that it's impossible, but you're going to make the impossible possible. That's why you're standing between a rock and a hard place. Because the moment you put a way in a desert, it becomes a highway in the desert and people begin to follow. You are generation changes by changing your attitude. That's how you change a generation. Just a year beforehand, uh, it was Tenzing, and who's the other guy? What's his name again? Edmund Hillary. The, the, the first guy to climb Everest. Well, it's not really the first guy to climb Everest, it's the guy getting chased by a snow line, right? But it was unrecorded and unvideoed. But I, to date, I don't know, like 2,000 people. 
What, what is that? This is what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're both right. Now, I'll just say this to adjust it just from positive, uh, you know, the, 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 the Tony Robbins stuff, that if you think you can, there's a possibility that you can. But if, if you think you can't, you absolutely can't. And you might think, well, Dave, what are you, motivational speaker? Well, I'm a motivational speaker and so ought you. <laughs> you know, be a, a, a speaker of pessimism. <laughs> you know, there's only three things that remain forever, and that's faith, hope, faith, love, and hope. And hope is an expectation something good's about to happen. So stop being so miserable. The problem here isn't me. If you cut faith with a knife, it bleeds an expectation something good's going to happen. Faith's the substance of things hopeful. You put faith in a desert, then the dew of hope gathers around the seed of hope, at the, the seed of faith at the darkest point before the dawn. If you put faith in a washing machine, the red dye of hope stains every single thing in that washing machine. God is full of expectation. And the Bible goes there. If you know anything about the book of Romans, it's the Roman road of faith, right? And in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The just shall live by faith. I love that. It's faith's not a hotel motel. You know, faith's not a camping expedition. Faith's not something you did last week. Faith is a residency. It's the place where we constantly live. And in Romans 4, 4.16, I think. It says that against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. And he so became because of his belief. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 2, it says that we access the grace of God via faith. Faith's not a power. You never feel powerful with faith. Faith's the key. You don't need to be full of faith. You just need to be holding the key. And it doesn't need to be a big key. It's the key of authority that opens up the vault of God's grace. Romans is sick of it. It's by faith that we access the possibilities of heaven. But the moment you get to Romans chapter 12, it changes. Because in Romans 12 verse 2, it says to be transformed by renewing of the thinking process so that you can test and approve what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. Well, hang on a sec, buddy, writer of the Romans. I thought it was by faith. And now you're saying it's by being transformed, by a change in the way I think. What are you going on about? I've I've retranslated it as be transformed by a renewing of the thinking process so that you can test drive. Test and approve. Test drive God's good, pleasing and perfect will. The Maserati of God's will. How do you test drive the Maserati of God's will? Well, you're going to have to change the way you think. So it seems to me that the Bible swaps it out slightly. Because up to chapter 12, uh, the just to live by faith. It's by faith we access the gates of heaven. It's, it's by faith. And then chapter 12 says, hey, it's not just what you believe that counts. It's what you think about what you believe. Unity isn't when all the churches in Nelson come together. Sometimes that'd be a horrible time. You, unity, unity is when you come together, when the commitments of your mind come into line with the conviction of your spirit. And let me, let, me, let me wax eloquent a little bit more. When the conduct of your hand comes into line with the confession of your mouth that comes into line with the 
commitments of your mind that comes in line with the conviction of your spirit. We've got unity. Whenever there's unity, God commands a blessing. So we've got people in this room, you believe all the right stuff, but you don't think it. You believe it, but you don't project it. And if we could just, if we could just line up this with this, then we've got genius happening. And I'll tell you why, because sometimes think, well, why do we need to change the way we think? I'll tell you why, for sustainability. Because you don't want to be a one-hit wonder. And there's a lot of Christians that, that are like, right said Fred, they're too sexy for their shirt. Too sexy for their shirt. Too sexy for, well, now they've got to put their shirt on because they're too fat. You know? <laughs> there's a lot of Christians like the Baha men. You know, I don't care who let the dogs out. Just, just, I don't care about those dogs. They're like Natalie Umbruglio, still lying naked on the floor. Just get off the floor. And God doesn't want you to be a one-hit wonder. He doesn't want you to reminisce what happened back in 83. He wants you to be a man and a woman of the future. He wants you to be a legend, not a one-hit wonder. He wants you to be the Chris Martin of the Christian world. He wants you to be the Coldplay of the Christian world. Just because you had a hit called Yellow doesn't mean you stay there and talk about it for the rest of your life. Now I'm going beyond a lot of your heads, right? But I'm just saying the problem's not mine, it's yours. Get relevant. But the next step, you want to have the scientists, you want to have Fix Me, you want to have Viva Viva La Viva. You want to go and have a, a sky full of stars. You want to have hit after hit after hit after hit. And the only way God can sustain it is by changing the way you think. Because anyone can be a one-hit wonder. Anyone can have a major healing of 2018. Anybody can have a major breakthrough of 2020. But to sustain breakthrough and to move from, from old breakthroughs to new breakthroughs takes sustainability. And so as God's got to enlarge your mind, He's got to strengthen your mind, He's got to do all kinds of things to your mind so that you become, let me think, irreversible and unstoppable. You want to be like a river that's undammable. And the only way that that can happen is for God to mess with your mind. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Inside every person's mind are fields of dreams, floods of emotion, Trains of thought and cities of habit. This is what the Bible's inferring. It's inferring that the skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Whatever are the greatest skyscrapers of habit in you will determine and cast a shadow of the future of you. So God needs to crush bad habits. Sorry, Ed Sheeran, another cultural reference. And he needs to grow good habits within you. Why? Ah, sustainability. That's why. So let me give you, let me give you the scientific bit. When the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, uh, it says that, that faith comes by hearing from God. 
So the moment you hear from God, two, two things happen, right? Number one, faith deposited within your heart. It's, it's a check. It's, it's, uh, faith's a noun. It's not a verb. You, you don't need to do anything with it. It's, just, it's like a lottery winner. That, that's, why, that's why deep down within you is not a storm. It's peace. Because if, if you were to cut me in half, faith is on a deck chair sunning itself beside the Mediterranean of the promises of God. It only, gets, gets, it only turns over for an all-over suntan. Because it's, it, it's relaxed. It's in the bag. If you believe it, it's in the bag. It's got nothing to do with the current state of your marriage, current state of your church, current state of your health. It's got nothing to do with today. It's lassoed to an unseen tomorrow. It's, it's the title deed of a house that you're about to enter into. It's inside you right now. That's the confidence we have. It's an inner confidence that God will do what He said He'll do. You are who He says you are. He is who He says He is. It's in the room. Even, if I say, even as I say it right now, you, you, you've dropped 100 feet to the very core of your soul. You realize, yep, there's joy there. Because joy and peace sleep together. Wherever there's peace, there's joy. Wherever there's joy, there's peace. It's a noun. It, it attracts verbs. But Jesus didn't say, hey, do faith. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith. That's why you wake up in the morning a genius before you've done anything. You wake up a lottery winner every moment you wake up. It's because it's in the bag. Nothing can stop the promises of God coming to pass. I just need to say this to you, that you don't need more faith. I mean, how much faith do you need? You just need faith the size of a mustard seed to speak to one mountain. You don't need more faith. You just need, let me think, less doubt. But the second thing, the second thing that happens, not, not just a heart thing, it's a mind thing, that God sees a pathway between two parts within your mind, like a laser beam would do it. And it's as the crow flies, not as a river meanders. You, you, you know that God loves you, but now God's spoken to you. I absolutely love you. And, and it's, it, you're not doing any twists and curves when you tell somebody that. That when you're thinking, it's not, it's not mad thinking, there's, there's, no, there's no centrifugal force in it. It's just straight. I know it. How do you know you say it? Because you know that you know. It's, it's double knowing. Faith is a double knowing thing. Otherwise, you think, I don't know what's happened to me on the inside. I can't explain it. Well, that's, that's not going to help you out in the renewing of the mind because you need to know what God's doing. And so inside all of our minds, there's, there's seared pathways, laser-like seared pathways, uniting two parts of your mind together in what we call a revelation. Well, now it's over to you because outside the, uh, across the back fence of your heart, is a little pathway. Well, how do you make a little pathway wider? Well, go walking on it. Some of you, all you need to do is just go walking on it. Just start meditating on the Word of God that He's, get your quiet time book out, start thinking about it, start confessing it, start speaking about it, start dreaming about it. And the more you walk on it, the wider the path gets. It's because it's it's you're thinking about all kinds of stupid stuff. You need to think about all kinds of significant stuff, like what God's spoken to you about. 
Because things don't just happen. If they do just happen, you become a one-hit wonder. You're not good to anybody. But to become a legend, you, you need to think about significant things and meditate upon the Word of God. And it gets wider and wider and wider until God says, hey, this is wide enough for me to lay some tracks down. And He introduces trains of thought. Once you've got a train of thought, you've, you've got a vehicle of power here. Because this is not just an abstract thought. It's not just a one-off thought on a Sunday morning. This is now a train of thought. It's got an engine. It's got carriages. They're coupled together. And these trains with you in your mind, every train leaves Grand Central Station of your will. Nothing happens in your life outside of your will. And the trains are leading to one of three regions of your mind. Either the fallen mind or the trains are leaving to the natural mind or the trains are leaving to the new mind. But every train that leaves Grand Central Station of the will takes with it building material to deposit wherever it goes. So the more trains that leave Grand Central to go to the fallen mind, the stronger those cities get. The more trains that leave to the new mind, the stronger those cities get. And we've got a job to do because I don't know how long you've been a Christian for, but the Bible says that we become new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. But there's no buildings on it. It's just virgin territory marked out for holy construction. And in the history of your world, there's, 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 all, there's three regions in the fallen part of your mind. There's the royal cities of self-centeredness, of, of, of self-pity, of self-justification. The royal cities are the strongest cities within every person's mind, in the fallen part of their mind. There's the industrial cities. They're the ones that, who, they're, they're the moody cow cities. You, you know what that's like. Some of you being like that this morning. They're pumping out attitudes of bitterness, attitude of hatred, attitude of, can I use the word bitchiness, attitude of sad, deep sadness, attitudes of deep depression. It's the, it's the pollutant cities. And then you've got the third part is the historic cities. And these historic, are the classic historic cities like lying, uh, like cheating, like lust, like envy, like second life fill, living two lives at the same time that these are the classic, the classic cities uh, within your mind. And what God wants to do is He wants to pull down those cities in order to establish cities in the land marked out for the city of peace, the city of joy, the city of goodness, the city of faithfulness, the city of self-control, the city of kindness, and the metropolis of love. Because everything starts in your mind before it starts within your hand. So let me just give you a little example, right? And little example, let me give you just, I'll pretend to have an example, right? Dave King has a barbecue. And, uh, and, uh, and all his regular friends are invited to the barbecue, right? Except for you. And you think, well, I, I, I love Dave and Michelle. I think they're, they're fabulous people. What, what's going on here? Why aren't we invited? You think, and maybe it's lost in the mail and you realise that everybody got their invite like about 10 days ago. And, and so, so this, this, every, every observational thought is accompanied by perceptive thought. And the perceptive thought is, is, it gathers insecurity. There's nothing wrong with insecurity. And so there's major change going on here. So when it arrives at Grand Central Station, the wheel, and stands on, 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 on the bridge that's crossing the, the, the lines, uh, the station master of the fallen mind, which is Satan, it says that they don't want you anymore. 
And then he says, no one actually wants you anymore. And then he says, no one has actually ever wanted you. It's just because you come with the package. In actual fact, nobody likes you and has never liked you from primary school through to secondary school through to university. You think you're funny. But no one's ever found you funny. They've courtesy laughed. Toot, toot, train leaving for rejection town. Small light rail trip to the city of self-pity. All aboard. How many trains have you caught? But on the eastern platform, the other side of the platform, it's the Holy Spirit. Ambidextrist. And the Bible says whenever you're tempted, there's an exit door. God makes a way out of every temptation. There's not one temptation that you've ever experienced or ever about to experience where the crow hasn't crowed, that where there hasn't been something from heaven saying, have a look over there. There's a green exit door sign. And so the moment this, this, this whirlwind of insecurity hits the bridge, another train arrives and it's the Psalm 23 train. And it says, I'm, I'm your shepherd. Though you go through the valley, I'll be there. I'll provide with you a whole new set of friends. Stick with me. And if you miss that train, God's generous because the Philippians 1.6 train turns up that says, he who began a good work, it's going to be faithful. So faithful is just graffitied right across the side of the train. And it's waiting at the station. And if you miss that, the grace of God sends the Hebrews chapter 10, verse number nine train that says that God takes away the first to make room for the second. And often the friends that took you from A to B are not the same friends that take you from B to C. And it's your decision whether you head west, young man, or whether you head east. That's it. Satan tempts you. Jesus convicts you. But it all comes down to your choice. It doesn't come down to emotionalism. It comes down to your choice. So I'm going to give you, because the grand central station of your will, for some of you, it, it's been weakened. You've got habitual West platform activity going on. The skyscrapers are that massive that you've relinquished your will and you've just allowed there to be train after train taking building material to the city of lust, building material to the city of self-justification, building material to the, to the city of bitterness. And what you need is to strengthen your will. And I'm going to give you three ways, band's coming up, three ways to strengthen your will. Number one, it's a quote from the Spice Girls. You want to know what you want, what you really, really want. Because inside me, there's, there's four levels of emotion. Top level, volatile emotions. Second level, vulnerable emotions. Am I loved? Am I wanted? Am I needed? Am I famous? Am I rejected? 
But underneath volatile and vulnerable are visionary emotions. And this visionary emotion is full of sacrifice because I'm sacrificing for what's over the mountain. And what's over that mountain is a bigger, better, stronger world. And God's the remover of mountains. God's the incredible. And deeper than my visionary emotions are my victorious emotions. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives within me. So when someone says, how do you feel? Well, I feel four things. I always feel four things. I feel terrible and terrific. I feel broken and beautiful. It just depends how deep you go. And I suggest you go a little deeper. You stop before temptation gets you. Go a little deeper. Think, what do I, not just what I want, but what do I really, really want? Dig that well deeper into the stronger emotions that guide a successful life. Then you're not your volatility, it's your visionary. It's not your vulnerability, it's, it's your victor, victory that, should, that guides the Christian life. I'm not rejecting the fact that I feel terrible. It's just I'm overlaying it with a stronger and a deeper emotion that I've got within my heart. I'll pull this up in a second, but this, this, this uh, kid was walking along and, and a frog jumped up on his shoulder, a six-year-old kid walking home from school. And the frog said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And, and the kid just grabbed the frog, put it back in his back pocket, right? He walked on a bit. Frog jumped up. Hey, I said, if you kiss me, turn into a beautiful princess, grabbed the frog, put it in the back pocket. Now the frog's mad, right? Squeezes himself out and puts him, lands back on the shoulder and says, hey, kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Why won't you kiss me? And the kid said, oh, gee, it's easy. He said, because I don't actually want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. <laughs> Do you get it? You want to know what you really, really want? Not just what you want. Number two, you want to believe in climate change. You want to create a hot house of faith. You know, some of you got a problem with Krispy Kremes. Why are you living in a bedsit above the Krispy Kreme shop? Like, what's going on there? You're strong at 8 p.m. at night, but 2 o'clock in the morning, going down, rummaging through the black bin liners, trying to find some fresh, but thrown out Krispy Kreme. It's, it's your problem. It's because why did you choose the bedsit above the Krispy Kreme shop? You want to choose the bedsit that's one bus ride away. So that you can control the environment in which you live. When Jesus wanted to heal Jairus' daughter, he didn't take all 12 with him. He left nine outside because they were miserable. He took three with him because they were expectant. He needed to create a hot house of faith in order to work miracles of faith. And some of you need to, need to control the conversations you have, who you have conversations with, and control the environment which you create. That's how you strengthen your will. And lastly, you want to you change your confession. The greatest faith word in the entire Bible is the word B-U-T, but... 
Because in Psalm 31, David said, I feel like broken pottery. Everyone's walked past on the other side. Everybody's rejecting me. And that's how we feel a lot of our lives. We feel like everyone else gets the opportunities. We've got no opportunities. Everyone else gets the breaks. It's because I'm ugly. It's because I'm inferior. It's because I'm on the wrong side, wrong side of the tracks. But this is what David said in Psalm 31. But trust in Lord. The times are in His hand. If, if, you were going, if, I, if I went camping with you and, I, and it was raining like it is today, I forgot all the tent pegs. You'd be annoyed at me. But then if I said, I said, but I've got five free nights at the local five-star hotel at the resort, were well, you going to change your attitude? And all I did was introduce something formally not introduced. And that's your role, is to introduce something formally not introduced. It's not to deny the reality that things are wrapped with a capital C. It's not to deny the reality that things have gone from bad to worse. It's to supersede it with a but, my times are in His hands. If you can control your confession, if you could control the climate, if you could know what you really, really want, we can create a strong will. And a strong will creates a strong Christian. I've got one little last one. And it's called add a little bit of prayer. Because sometimes when you're, on, when you're on a train in the fallen cities, oh, I've been there, you've been there many, many times. Right? But the thing about God is if you have a look out the window, there's a yellow taxi cab of the kindness of God trailing you. Nobody's far from God, not even Putin. Because when you got saved, all you did was whisper a prayer to God, help me. And He was immediately there. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, I think, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. So outside, outside the window of every train that's heading toward self-centeredville, that's heading toward depression town, that's heading toward second life field. Every train is being trailed by a yellow taxi cab of the kindness of God. And the word repentance simply means a change of mind. All you need to do is have a change of mind. Get up, press the red button. Stop the train. Get out. Hop into the Tesla. And it will take you back to the Grand Central Station of the world. Ta-da! That's what repentance is. It's not tears. It's not crying. It's not bags full of remorse. It's just spot the yellow cab. Press the red button. Get into the yellow cab and relax. God is faithful to take you to where He wants to take you. I have to spin out, right? The, the, just the, 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 the prayer of praise has a habit of bombing tracks. That when you want to go to Lust Town, you can't get there because your praise this morning has bombed the tracks that once led. Now, Lustville's become a ghost town. It still exists to make you realise how far you've come, but there's zero activity going on there. Okay, keyboard, you can play it a little louder now because it's my last little story. <laughs> Let me just say about, about our resources. I've bought more than I've needed. 
Jen speaking tonight, and this is her book prophesies, 84 fire starters to a fresh devotional life. I think, I think some of you, this could actually uh, change your world. This is my book, Think Twice, and it's 500 trains of thought to succeed in the Christian world. This is my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. Of course they do. It's my book, The Hit Factory, with the catchphrase, the next you is the next big thing. Gee, I love that. Even though I wrote it, I love it. Because everyone's waiting for the next big thing. When's the next big thing going to happen, Nelson? Well, you are, you're it, mate. You're the next big thing. The next you, the you that you're becoming, the you that you're being transformed into is the next big thing because out of the heart flow the rivers of life. So it's you all the time. The truth starts, my latest 181 nuggets of truth for a woke generation. If you think you can, if you think you can't, you're both right. And I've got with me today, come on the back screen for a second. I've got the mind map. I've got the mind map book which is everything I've taught today, plus a whole lot more. And I've got the Mind Map map, which is an A1 map that I've drawn. I'm not even an artist, but I've done it for you, Hannah Sproul. A1 map of the Christian mind, because I'm a visual learner, and at least 60% of you are also visual learners. You know the movie Beautiful Mind? You know John Forbes Nash, is that right? John Forbes Nash. Come back to me. Do you know the, you know the movie? Russell Crowe, when he was good looking. No, we, no, no, he's changed. He has changed. Hasn't he? He has changed. It's a bit of a disappointment, right? But, but, but he's in his gladiator days. You know? And um, so anyway, he, he, he went to Princeton University and, and did... Uh, studied mathematics and then the then but he was crazy he had schizophrenia had voices and and uh and then the u.s government used him to decipher stuff from russia to work out patterns in magazines and and eventually he got he got a nobel nobel memorial prize and this was for i don't know for science economics something like that right this is 50 years after he started right and in the movie, right, his friend comes up to him, his friend of 50 years, and said, and he said, because he's just incredibly happy. And his friend said, how does it feel to be free of all those voices? And the cameras moved back. And he says this, he says, oh, they're still there. He said, I've just chosen to ignore them. Oh, may I suggest that that is victory. Victory is not the absence of temptation. It's the control of temptation. Victory is when temptation moves from an oceanic flood to a river with banks of control. Some of you, through the perfectionism of modern day Christianity, want everything to be removed from you. No more anxiety. No more. Well, well that'll happen when you die. It's all you need is anxiety under control. But you don't need the removal of anxiety. You need depression under control, but you don't need the removal of depression. You, you, you need lust under control. And it all starts at the Grand Central Station of the will. Close your eyes, lift your hands. Father, I pray, I know Holy Spirit, you've been at work while I've been talking today. 
And Father, we've been waiting for we've been waiting for the hefty movements of the Holy Spirit. And I think we realize today that the hefty movements are internal movements. And Father, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And Father God, I thank you for the establishing of the city of joy. I thank you, God, for the city of peace that's starting to grow inside people's hearts and minds. Father, we've been through storms, but storms are the best condition to hear from God. Storms are the best places to start growing and start constructing cities of righteousness in the new part of our mind. But Father, some of us slip from time to time and we've got habits that we visit regularly. And I pray that this message has given people hope. That it's not just a short term, I'm right with God, I'm wrong with God, I'm right with God, I'm wrong with God. But this is a longer term venture where God understands that sometimes it's three steps forward, one step back. But God understands. He says, hey, stand, stand, take a stand. Just stand still as long as you're not going backwards. Then often He's quite happy about that. But your future is waiting for a change in the silhouette of your mind. There's people here that you do need to repent because you're lost in the darkened cities. But God's found you. The good news is that God's found you. And after we, we pray a short prayer for you, we, we're going to exercise just for a couple of minutes the prayer of praise. We're going to bomb some tracks this morning. We're going to destroy some tracks. You're going to head off and you think, well, that, that's gone. I'm going nowhere. It's because of the power of praise. But if you're here this morning and you've been lost in, in the darkened part of your mind, and fair enough, it's a, we live in a crazy world. We're all human. But it doesn't mean you need to stay there. There's backsliders in the room and there's people who've never committed their life to Christ in this room. There's people who are just creatures of habit. And if that's you this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's about the taxi cab being very close to you. And it's a prayer of repentance. And I wonder if everyone can help us all out this morning. Maybe you could all say it. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for following me every minute, every hour, every day of my life. I'm amazed by your grace and by your kindness. I can see you, Lord, full of acceptance, full of love. So I decide to press the red button and to stop the train of lostness, of sinfulness, of misdemeanor. I stop the train and I make a decision to get out, to get into the cab of God's kindness. I'm sorry, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and releasing me into your purpose and into your will. Gee, just that's everyone closed. Keep your eyes closed. It's, I can feel faith in the room. I can feel that the, there's sincerity in the room. It's, this is not a prayer for your friend. This is your prayer. This is your life. It's not your friend's life you're living. It's your life. And, but if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to get you to do one more thing. And, and I call it drawing a line in the sand, but there is no sand here. And so what we need to do is, is when I count to three with every eye closed, I'm going to get you to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. And this is every person who sincerely prayed that prayer. 
And as you do, you're dividing history from future. You're dividing past from present. You're dividing. You're making a, a decision to divide your life up without God, with God. And so whether you're a backslider or someone lost in sin, or if you sincerely prayed that prayer with every eye closed, except maybe a couple of councils. I don't know how it works here, but with every eye closed. When I count to three, I want you to lift up your right hand and lift it, leave it up till all the hands are up. Let's do it now. Three, two, one. Lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it. High, 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 higher, higher, a little higher, higher. On my left hand side, there's one hand, there's two hands, there's three hands, there's four hands, there's five hands, there's six hands. It's just beautiful. My middle section down the back, there's seven hands, eight hands, nine hands, ten hands. 11 hand, 12 hands, 13, 14, near the front, 15, 16, near the front, 17, 18, 19, 20, near the back, 20, 21, 22 hands. And on my right hand side, down the very back, it's 23 hands, 24 hands, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, near the front, 31, 32. Keep your hands up. Christians, let's pray. Father, let the peace of God that passes all understanding, crash in on their hearts and minds. Let the Word of God be a light to their path and a lamp to their feet. Change the structure of their thinking. Even right now, let the Tower of Salvation grow on the footprint designed before the beginning of time. Let strength enter into their will. Let strength enter into their personhood. Strengthen their spirits with the mighty hand of God. And Father, let them know that you'll never leave them or forsake them all the days of their life. In Jesus' mighty name. You can drop your hands. Everybody stand up and lift your hands to heaven. Stand, stand up and give God a hand clap of praise for that. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.